This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome to the prologue on America's Web Radio, a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with yet. Now, my name is Doug Dahlgren, and I'm going to be your host. I'm an author myself, and you can find my work on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, all the online sites. And you can also visit my personal website, www.dougdahlgren.com. Easy as peasy. Now, we call this show The Prologue because that's exactly what it is. And while the introductions that we offer here are mainly writers, we love to bring you interesting people with just a good story to tell. From whatever field they might be involved with or whatever endeavor that they're in, we'd like to hear from them. Now, if you have a pen or a pencil handy, I want you to grab it and keep it throughout the show because right now I'm going to give you some contact information as soon as you're ready, and then there'll be other information you'll want to make note of throughout the program. So, are you ready? If you or anyone you know has a book or that interesting story that just needs to be told, I want you to reach out to me through email. And there's two ways to do that. First is Doug. For email is Doug at DougDahlgren.com. I'd love to speak with you or them about their appearance on a future program. So please reach out and do that. <clears throat> now, keep the pen handy because there will be more things you'll want to write down as we go along. Our guest today brings us a work of fiction that reads and feels like an autobiography. His first-person narrative carries the reader along as though walking side-by-side side through decades of history and tragedy, some local and some on a national level. While it's set in Atlanta, Georgia, the story will cause the reader to remember their own hometown and the experiences shared by so many of us wherever we grew up. Before we bring him on, I, as always, I want to recognize two very important groups of listeners that we're so proud that we have here on the Prologue and on America's Web Radio. First and foremost are our troops serving across the world, the men and women in uniform working so hard every day to keep us safe back here at home. We so often take what they do for granted, and we forget that freedom isn't free. It's bought and paid for daily by the men and women who wear the colors. We thank them for what they do. I also want to mention the first responders, the folks here back home. That's those police, fire, EMT personnel, the ones that come running to your aid, though they don't know you, but they come when you need their help. We want to thank them for being there and thank them so much for what they do on a daily basis. Now, our author here today spins a tale that includes references to the Beatles, the music of that era, the Civil War, John F. Kennedy, Paris Hilton, and Jerry Clower. Now, that's an eclectic bunch. Some facts are fiction, and some of the fiction is based on fact making this an enjoyable read that will be very difficult for the reader to put down. The book is titled The Many Walks of Life, and this is your prologue. One never knows what the next day will bring. Be it good news or bad, the planet moves on, and those around you move on with it. Some events can cause you to seek reflection of the past in order to move forward. Thoughts of growing up, dealing with friendships, celebrity, 
glory, and even grief. You find yourself retracing your own steps. The book is The Many Walks of Life, and the author, Randy Blaylock, is with us this hour. Good morning, Doug. Thank you for allowing me to be a guest. On... Randy, you there? Yes. Hey. Yes, good morning, Doug. Absolutely. Good to have you here. Thank you. Uh, thank you for allowing hey, now, me. Randy, want to make sure. Keep... Hello? Randy, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay, well, you're there. You're there, good. All right, now, I mentioned that this show's group uh, has special groups of listeners, and I understand that you have your own special little fan club and group who are going to be tuning into this program via podcast uh, shortly. Uh, would you care to shout out to them and tell the rest of the audience who they are? Well, yeah, there's, uh, there's a, a couple of people, uh, but one is the uh, fourth grade class at uh, uh, Roberts Elementary School in uh, Sewanee, Georgia, uh, taught by my son, Brian Blaylock. Uh, so uh, send a shout-out to them, and also I'd be remiss if I didn't include uh, my two grandsons, Brendan and Patrick. Absolutely. That would cost you dearly if you left them out, wouldn't it? Mama would be mad. Yes, indeed. Now, we do welcome that fourth-grade class to the prologue, and, in fact, we welcome the entire school, Roberts Elementary out in Swanee, Georgia. Uh, in Mr. Bryan's class, we're wondering how many writers might be in there. Let's see a show of hands. I tease a little bit because we are radio, but I bet there's a bunch of arms in the air, even at the fourth grade. And I want to thank you, and I want to thank the teacher, Mr. Brian Boylock, for listening and when you guys there get those books ready, I hope you'll give us a holler, and we'll see about having you on the prologue and talk about your work as well. How's that? Now, let's get back to Randy. Randy, your novel, The Many Walks of Life, is a journey. The title really implies that very specifically. Most journeys have a purpose or a destination that's intended for the traveler. Is there a specific place you want to take your readers while reading this book? Well, you mentioned it uh, briefly in your introduction. Uh, I am a great nostalgia freak. Uh, I grew up in a wonderful, wonderful time, uh, and any of us who grew up in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, even though it was a tumultuous time, even though it was turbulent uh, from a social standpoint and a national standpoint, I just have nothing but the fondest of memories for that. So. I'm hopeful that through these walks that uh, a reader might take along with me by reading this book, they share in some of those um, memories and recollections of their own. Uh, no matter where they might live uh, or, or have grown up, I hope that they can reflect back on the people, places, and things that have taken them to, to their particular point in their lives. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you tell this story in, in the first person, uh, meaning that the reader sees everything through the perspective of the writer's eyes. Was that a conscious choice, or did it just kind of feel like the natural way of telling this story? Well, it did become a natural way. Uh, it, it's based around a central main character, a character who is going through a particular crisis in his life, and that crisis is causing him to look back on his life and the many walks that he has taken up to that point in his life. So 
for me, it had to become a first-person narrative of this individual, this main character, um, who, uh, who is telling their story. Uh, as you also mentioned, many of the stories, many of the uh, little anecdotes that are found in there uh, did really happen to me. Uh, the people, many of the people that are mentioned in there are real people. I did not use their full names. I only used their first names, but they are important in my life. And um, so, again, I want the reader to, to be able to reflect people that were important to him. We mentioned the first-person usage in there for the writing, but another technique that's really enjoyable, and I've not seen this anywhere else, uh, but it's how you use the last sentence in each chapter to wrap forward and to lead the reader into the title of the next chapter. And folks who are listening, I know I've probably lost you a little bit, but uh, the, the way he does this is that there's just a blank, like at the end of Chapter 1, it said, some years later I would take even a better walk and that would be, and it leads you to chapter, the next chapter, My Walk into Manhood. And he does this throughout, where it just continues, so it makes it harder to put the book down. Uh, Randy, do we think we need to, to coin this and call it the Blaylock Effect? I, I, uh, I appreciate that. I, I uh, would like to, for that to be done, and uh, maybe for it to gain some notoriety because of that, I have had many comments made from people who have uh, read the book and have gotten back in touch with me, and they have noted that technique, that concept, and my point there was just to make it a flow. I wanted, I wanted the reader to flow from the first page to the, to the last page with a continuous story. So uh, the idea as I was writing this just came along, well, if you want it to flow, let's literally flow it into the next chapter. Each chapter uh, begins with my walk to, my walk with, such and such, and so the sentence prior to that in the previous chapter does lead to that next, uh, that next walk in the character's life. The book touches so many different areas of, of our lives, and it, it's multi-generational, and yet there, there is an age group that will find themselves really targeted or locked in on this, isn't there? Yes, I, I certainly think so. Since the primary time setting for the book uh, is the 50s, 60s, and, and 70s, my youth, uh, the era that I grew up in, individuals who grew up in that era, uh, I believe, can, can relate um, uh, significantly to that because I do talk, uh, as you mentioned earlier, about uh, the music of that era some of the significant historical events that took place as we were growing up and as we were youth. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do believe that, uh, that it would touch uh, perhaps more strongly those individuals who are of the same age uh, as, as myself. But, uh, once again, I would hope that anybody uh, who reads the book can, can find some points that... Um, uh, strike them in a particular area of their own life, and um, hopefully then it will translate to someone who uh, may be in their early 20s uh, as much as someone in their 80s or 90s. Well, I think the primary area that we're talking about might be folks, uh, I don't want to nail it down, but folks like myself who's sneaking up on 70, uh, 
can almost reach out and touch it. But anyway, <laughs> no, I agree with you. It, it it is primarily uh, focused on people in their forties, fifties, sixties, early seventies, maybe because they're the ones that are going to relate to growing up uh, in this particular era. Oh, and it it's a fun read because, like he said earlier, his intent is to stir you to uh, think about the things, the way these same events maybe impacted you in your life. And uh, you don't think about them every day, but sometimes you need to. Randy, tell the folks where they can find this book. Again, it's called The Many Walks of Life by Randy Blaylock. Where can folks find out more about it and you? Well, uh, by going to my website, uh, randyblaylockauthor.com. And let me spell, Blaylock is B L. A-L-O-C-K, RandyBlaylockAuthor.com. And uh, I'm very proud of the website that's been developed for me, so uh, people can go there. They can find out about all of my works. Very uh, good. Yes. Well, that's fine. Uh, Yeah, Randy Blaylock Author. Be sure you include that. Author. Dot com, and then again, uh, they can find out an order through Amazon and the other places like that as well. I'm sorry, it is available also on Amazon uh, by uh, searching my name at the top, Randy Blaylock, and that'll take you to uh, a page that will show uh, both of my books that are listed uh, with Amazon at this particular point. But uh, primarily, uh, I-, I like to emphasize my website. Absolutely, and we want them to go there. Folks, we're here this morning. We've got uh, a wonderful guest, Mr. Randy Blaylock. His book, The Many Walks of Life, is one you will enjoy. And we're going to be back with more from Randy after these short messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. 
Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. My name is Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest today is Randy Blaylock. Randy's bringing us a very interesting and enjoyable book titled The Many Walks of Life. Now, Randy, people talk about that harrowing experience when they have a scary time of their life flashing before their eyes. Uh, This book really is more of an easy-paced, enjoyable walk through similar-type memories. Uh, Is that what the idea is? Certainly. Um, One of the best compliments that I've uh, been given, uh, one of the best uh, comments made, uh, reviews made about the book, uh, has been that it's uh, like having a conversation with the author. Um, that That is very meaningful to me because, uh, once again, I, I wanted the individual to be able to flow through the book fairly easily. So um, there there are some situations that, that come up in the book, some trying experiences that the uh, uh, primary character is experiencing, but uh, hopefully you can experience those with uh, the individual and, uh, and and walk through his life with him by, by your reading of the book. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, I hope is that that it's a good, fluid, uh, easy read. Who were the noblemen? The noblemen was a rock and roll band that uh, that I played in. Uh, I've been a musician pretty much all of my life. Uh, I began playing trumpet when I was um, about seven years old, and that led into some other brass instruments. I played, of course, in the high school uh, band at uh, Murphy High School in southeast Atlanta. Um, But that was the rock and roll era of the 60s, and so all of us had to have uh, a garage band going, and and the nobleman was was ours. we gained a little fame around uh, the metro Atlanta area, um, and um, had a had a ball ball doing that. I played bass guitar, so I never was able to get the girls because they always went for the lead singer, <laughs> the lead guitarist, or or some in some cases the drummer. But right. uh, poor bass guy in the back just kept the rhythm going, and uh, you know backup singer and that kind of thing. So uh, never got the girl, but had a blast uh, with that little experience that lasted a few years. Well, now, that's one of these overlapping experiences because, as we said earlier, some of the things in here are personal experiences of the author, but others are not. This qualifies as a novel because it is not entirely true. But speaking and staying with the noblemen, they had a particular highlight. uh, I think it was Wednesday, August the 18th of 1965. If that's not enough to give it away, uh, Randy, tell the folks what happened that night. Well, the Beatles played uh, at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, uh, had their only Atlanta concert ever, uh, open air, of course, at, at the baseball stadium um, uh, that night, and, uh, and we were lucky enough to be one of the performers that opened for them. We were the only local band that opened uh, for them that night. So um, uh, great, great experience. Did uh, did get to to meet um, 
them in general terms, and and I want to leave uh, the rest of it, Doug, up to the reader to to find out about that experience because I I think it uh, it it, uh, it goes back and, and has some uh, little funny consequences. So if you'll allow me, I'll just uh, let the reader uh, I'll whet the reader's appetite about that. Absolutely. Again, some of these personal experiences are involved in here, but not all of them are. And there's enough fiction thrown in to qualify this book as a novel. Uh, why didn't you just go ahead and do an autobiography? Well, because there are aspects of the story that um, uh, some other characters that um, the main character meets that um, I want left to the imagination uh, of the reader to, to determine certain aspects. Um, so, um, so the only way to do that was to do kind of a fictional aspect rather than making it an autobiography. Um, most of my friends in, in, in high school would say, well, you're, you know, I don't remember you being worthy enough to have an autobiography, but they can say, well, this is a nice book, so <laughs> a nice novel. So that's kind of how, why I uh, um, interspersed both of them. I think anybody that sits down and writes a story like this one has to reflect back on their own personal experiences. I think most every writer uh, you and your own rights, you probably come to some points uh, in your books that, uh, that reflect back on personal experiences. So uh, it, it certainly is not a true autobiography. I've, I've never liked it being called a personal memoir because, in my mind, it is not. It is a fictional, fictional story. And fiction is fun because you get to make stuff up. So. Absolutely. <laughs> I've known characters in my life that if they were to do an autobiography such as this, they might add some fiction to tone it down a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a good read, people. It is fun, and it carries you through things like we mentioned, uh, 1965. There, there's memories in there that will strike a chord with just almost every reader. Uh, the local Georgia sports scene, will it, it, that plays a large role in this mention of the Bulldogs and the Braves. You yourself were a big fan, and your protagonist in the book is also a big fan. Isn't that right? Oh, that's that's correct. Uh, I, I myself have been a season ticket holder uh, for uh, the University of Georgia for going on about 40 years now, and uh, in, on fall Saturdays, that's where you'll find me. I, I, uh, I get too wrapped up, I, I, I think, in it. My wife would certainly attest to the fact that I get too wrapped up uh, in cheering for my, my Bulldogs, but um, uh, it's, it's just a, a part of my life now, and, and I wouldn't give anything for the experiences of being in that beautiful stadium on fall afternoons as any other Southeastern Conference or, or Big Ten fan of their own particular team. They love those experiences. Well, I just happen to be a Georgia Bulldog. Very good. You also are quite the fan of American history, and in the Atlanta area, the Civil War plays a big part in, in much of our historical past. Uh, tell us about your love of American history and how that entered into this book. Well, I, I am a, a, a lover of general American history, but particularly the Civil War. I, I had a wonderful, wonderful American history teacher back in high school, Mr. James Evans, 
and uh, he pretty much triggered that uh, that love. But the area of town that I grew up also uh, played a significant role in that. I grew up, for those who may be familiar with the Atlanta area uh, at all, I grew up on Memorial Drive, which is very near where I-20 crosses uh, Maynard Terrace uh, near Grant Park and, and that particular area. It's significant in the fact that the first shot of the Battle of Atlanta on July 22, 1864, was fired no more than about two to 300 yards from my home, my, my boyhood home. Murphy High School had a field behind it that uh, I, was my playground for uh, most of my childhood and, and early youth, and oftentimes I would uh, venture back there and be digging around, as boys will do, and would come across artifacts uh, of the Civil War. Uh, we've, I found uh, buckles, and I found mini balls, and I even found a Union soldier's hat with some blood on it. Uh, those have all been do donated to the uh, Cyclorama, Atlanta Cyclorama, uh, which uh, is the great mural uh, for people who have visited and, and seen it uh, depicting the Battle of Atlanta. And that's actually what prompted this book. Um, I decided uh, on July 22, 2014, which was the 150th anniversary, to, uh, to retrace the steps of the Confederate soldiers that, that fateful morning. So during that walk, the idea came to me uh, of the many walks of life because that walk took me back to, uh, again, my, my boyhood growing up area, the part of East Atlanta that I grew up in, and, uh, and that's really what triggered, uh, triggered the entire story. Um, uh, so obviously American history has played a big part because it led, it led to the formation uh, and the development of, of, of this book. Now, you've already told us you're a native of Atlanta, born and bred, as they say, in this area. Uh, you went to school at Georgia State. And uh, what was your career like, Randy? What did you do for a living before you discovered your talent as a writer? Uh, I, was, uh, I was a banker, a uh, banker all of my career, um, through various phases. Uh, you know, I was a branch manager of several of the branches for a bank that, uh, uh, that at that time, when I started with them, uh, for any Atlanta old-timers that are listening, it was Fulton National Bank. It later became Bank South and subsequently with all of the mergers and acquisitions, uh, it was gobbled up by, uh, by other larger southeastern regional banks. But uh, I did just about everything from working in the credit department to being a branch manager to, um, uh, to, to running a community bank here in Winder, Georgia, where I currently live. Uh, and for another time period, I was in what's called... Um, Correspondent banking. Uh, I, I called on other banks around the southeast and, and tried to get them to do business with with our bank, Bank South, at the time. So, banking was a, a huge part uh, of of my life uh, from a career standpoint up until uh, 2001, when I kind of stepped away from that wonderful world. All right, very good. Uh, tell the folks again where they can find out more about you and your books, please. Okay. Uh, once again, the, the website is Randy Blaylock 
www.ethanauthor.com. You can order any of my books. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that, but but I also have uh, children's books that I've written. I have this novel, and then, I again, I know from prior conversation with Doug that we're going to talk about uh, another book that uh, launches tomorrow that I'm very excited about, but randyblaylockauthor.com. And our guest will be back with more about him and his books when we get through with these short messages. So stay tuned. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. We're here on the prologue this morning on America's Web Radio. We're talking with Randy Blaylock. Randy brings us his book, The Many Walks of Life. And again, folks, reality and fiction intertwine throughout this novel, and it is a fiction novel overall. But it's fun trying to figure out what's real and what isn't because there are actual events from the author's life that are in here. And you did that on purpose, didn't you, Randy? Oh, certainly, yes. Um uh, because once again, as, as we kind of uh, alluded to earlier, uh, anytime I believe anybody sits down and writes a, a story, some of their own personal uh, memories uh, come come to the forefront, and that's exactly what we did here. Uh, it's been uh, a lot of fun for those people who have known me uh, for most all of my life that I went to both elementary school and, and high school with and, and have known throughout the years to try to guess which ones are true and which ones uh, are, are, are made up. Uh, one of the best uh, uh, lines that somebody has given to me, a, a great friend of mine that uh, we played high school sports together, uh, after reading the book, he, 
he announced to me, uh, Randy, I just uh, didn't remember you being that good of a basketball and baseball player as you uh, uh, make, make your character out. And he was absolutely correct. I, I was a good solid player, but not uh, not a great one. And uh, uh, But I thought that was a great line from him. And uh, he you know, as long as he had bought the book, he could make any comment that he wanted to <laughs> make. There you go. I think we all have that tendency as we get older. Uh, our roles become larger in our mind, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> now, your career, we touched on that earlier, that you were in banking for your working life, and that's a career where you get to meet a lot of interesting folks. And what I wanted to know is, being that this book has characters that are real and then characters, of course, that are fiction, did you use real people as the basis of your fictional characters that you portrayed through this novel? Um, mo- most all of the, the people in some way are, are, yes, to answer your question, yes. Uh, the fictional characters are based on uh, people that have crossed my paths and, and affected me in one way or the other from their quirkiness or, or their uh, solid uh, lifestyles or, or whatever the case may be. Um, certainly, uh, though, the people in my lives have, have influenced a lot of the characters. Uh, as you pretty much uh, have mentioned earlier in previous conversations that we've had, private conversations, you know, everybody that you meet uh, affects you in one way or the other, and sometimes they're negative, and so you can't always say their names when they're, they're negative. And <laughs> you've been shielded just a little bit, maybe in, in, in other fashions. But, uh, again, some of the stories that I tell about my banking career actually happened. Others did not. They're, they're kind of uh, made up and, and created and fabricated uh, to, to at least uh, kind of maybe uh, just spice up the life of the main character and, and show that uh, he's led... Uh, a, a very interesting, a v- very interesting life. Now, there, there's many people in all of our lives, and in yours, pertaining to this book, who are very important to us and important to you. Uh, who were some of the ones that influenced you towards writing? Would you care to share any of that with us, uh, Doug? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I've not. I've always loved writing. I've just always enjoyed the ability to put some things down on paper. So I, I honestly cannot say that any one individual has led me to, to the writing aspect. Um, uh, I, I uh, always make the comment that uh, when I was given an assignment, say in high school or college, and, and the teacher or professor gave us the option to make a 10-minute talk or to write a 10-page report, I would always opt for the report. Uh, number one, at that time, I was absolutely terrified to uh, to speak in public. Uh, that's gotten a little bit better over the years, but uh, it was just so much easier for me to. I enjoy doing research. I was an only child, so that was long before the days of, of internet and, and computer access. So you had to do it the hard way. You had to. Uh, look in the encyclopedia, or you had to go to other sources, to the library and, and such. And I enjoyed doing that. Um, uh, you know, I was an outdoor uh, young boy, but uh, but I enjoyed uh, reading. I've always read. 
in my life. Uh, I've, I've always had a book in front of me, even when, I, again, I was young. So no one in particular, uh, from a writing standpoint, um, perhaps uh, one of the biggest influences I've ever had uh, is from a musical standpoint, the director of my elementary school band, a gentleman by the name of Charles Bradley, uh, was certainly uh, a major, major influence. And as I look back on my life, probably the man that had the most influence on my life because uh, he uh, he was able to take a bunch of fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh graders and turn them into just a, a magnificent uh, uh Orchestra, and uh, I, I'm I'm so so proud of of having gone through that in my life, and and having music a, a major part of my life. So, from a music standpoint, it would easily be said Charles Bradley. Not so much any anybody else from the writing standpoint. Okay, well I, the reason I ask is we have a lot of new writers or or want to be writers who listen to the show, and and sometimes they miss things that other folks recall, like what I'm saying, for this book, for The Many Walks of Life, you've already mentioned that visiting a particular battlefield stirred you towards getting started on this book. As far as writing in general, do you recall, whether it was elementary school or high school, wherever, a particular event or occasion that first got you saying, I need to write this down? Wow, that's a good one. (laughs) Um... I, I can recall vividly uh, the day that John F. Kennedy uh, was assassinated. I, uh, I immediately went home and wrote down my thoughts and my feelings because being 16 years old uh, in, in 1963 uh, and being influenced greatly by uh, Kennedy as, as a leader, uh, we were we were struck by that uh, even more so than than maybe other segments of of the nation and so I, I do remember that particular event being one that that hit me so hard that I had to put my thoughts down and my feelings down in writing and uh, and I still have those pages uh, in a in a uh, I've kept them all these years uh, because that that you know as as it's detailed in the book, is, is one of the most significant historical events uh, that have taken place uh, in, in, in my lifetime. Well, that's a great answer because, yeah, that, that would be something. It, it's, it affected all of us in different ways, and you felt you needed to record how you felt about it. So that, that's, that's a great answer and, and a great response. Now, the story, there's many facets to this story, folks. And, again, we don't want to give it away. We want you to buy the book. Obviously, that's why we're here. But the story speaks of friendships at a time in our lives, and it, it touches on the losses of some of those that we were close to. And everybody has those personal experiences. Fiction or real, you know, it doesn't really matter as you read through these particular selections. Uh, what did you have in mind as you were talking about your friendships and things like that uh, and the losses of a couple of them there, Randy? What, what was going through your mind while you were putting these down? Well, um, being an only child, I, I had to seek um, communication with, with other sources. And one of my great, great blessings has been, uh, again, to grow up 
in a community-based environment that, that allowed us to have friendships. Um, uh, going back to my elementary school days, uh, through high school, I, you know, I, I know that there are individuals who, once they graduate and swing that tassel from one side to the other uh, at their high school graduation, they care nothing uh, about seeing or revisiting those days at all. I, I couldn't begin to do that because those friendships that were developed uh, then, back during those years, are, are still still prevalent um, in my life uh, today. Um, I, I, I cherish the friendships, and of course, naturally, when some of those friendships slip away uh, for various reasons, uh, accidents, health, whatever the case may be, and, and you, you don't have them on a day-to-day -day basis anymore, it... Um, Leaves a, it leaves a, a big hole in your heart, and uh, uh, those, were, those were reflected in some fashion and in some ways in the book. Uh, uh, once again, uh, going back to that same theme that, that uh, I'm kind of emphasizing, any reader, anybody that picks up my book is going to recall people that have meant a lot to them and people, unfortunately, who may not be in their lives. And I'm hoping that it will bring back those wonderful, fond memories of, of those times that they had with those, uh, with those people in their lives. As we sneak up on this next break, uh, you have, you mentioned earlier, you've written other books. Primarily, uh, the, the previous books were books for children. Tell us a little bit about those right quick. Okay. Uh, I, I do have a couple of uh, children's books that are, uh, again, available, and uh, you can find out more information uh, about them. Uh, the first uh, attempt that I ever had of getting something published uh, is, uh, is a little children's book called uh, Which Cloud Does God Live In? And I followed that up uh, a couple of years later with, uh, it's, it's actually, Doug, a flip book. Uh, it's one story on one side of the book called Randolph the Forgotten Reindeer, and if you flip the book over, it's another Christmas-oriented story called The Magic Ornament. Um, I, I hope they're value-based books for young people. I would say that the age range is anywhere from uh, uh, 6 to, to 12 uh, for, for those youngers. Of course, Mom and Dad are going to have to read the stories to them, but uh, for the uh, 8-, 9-, 10-year-olds, I, I think they would uh, enjoy reading uh, these stories as well. Uh, uh, again, two Christmas-based books, and then the first one uh, tells the story of about a, a young man who uh, makes a mistake, uh, almost a, a tragic mistake in his life, but uh, is able to uh, overcome that. The author here is Randy Blaylock. His book that we're talking about today is The Many Walks of Life. And we're going to be back to finish this story up this morning after these messages. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. 
Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Again, my name is Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest today is Randy Blaylock, and Randy is an accomplished writer. He brings us uh, three of his books so far. He's got uh, two children's books, one a flip book, and then a main novel, The Many Walks of Life, that we've been really talking about. Uh, What else is on the way from Randy Blaylock? Well, I am very excited, Doug, and, and appreciate the opportunity to um, to talk a, a little bit about my newest endeavor, which launches actually officially tomorrow, uh, May 14th. Uh, it will go on sale. Uh, you've been able to pre-order the book from my website, but uh, it goes on sale at, at Amazon tomorrow. Uh, it's called The Man in the Dugout, uh, the story of Julian Mock. Julian Mock was uh, my high school baseball coach. He coached at Murphy High School uh, back uh, from 1956 to 64. Uh, he's really an interesting, interesting man in that he's had three careers. Uh, he was a teacher and a high school baseball coach. He then became a, a, a principal uh, at, a, at a high school in, in South Atlanta. And during that time, he was a part-time scout for uh, a couple of different Major League Baseball clubs, but when he retired from education in 1982, he became a full-time scout for the Cincinnati Reds, eventually uh, succeeding up to the role of executive scouting director from 1990 to 1997. Just an incredibly fascinating man with some fascinating stories uh, through all of those uh, points in his life. Uh, but more importantly, he is a mentor, uh, a father figure. Uh, I, in doing all of my interviews uh, with, with people that, uh, that he has uh, met and influenced in his life, I, I've never had one person say anything negative about him. So it was just really a labor of love uh, to, uh, to sit down and put his story on paper 
And again, we uh, we are officially launching the book tomorrow uh, by presenting him with uh, with the first copy, so to speak, of the book. And uh, we're having a big uh, get together for that. He turns 87 years old next Saturday, but we're having the party uh, tomorrow. And I'm just very very excited about that. As you should be. Give us the title again, Randy. Uh, the Man in the Dugout. The story of Julian Mock. Outstanding. Well, we hope that book launch goes well, and our best to Mr. Mock, and uh, we hope that he has many, many, many more birthdays to come. So, uh, we love him. You know, we, I'm sure. We mentioned all the different types of subjects that you cover in this book, and it, it just, it's just about everything that a person can think about in walking through their own life. Uh, you touch on personal relationships. We've already mentioned friends, but you also talk about your parents. And you had uh, a particular uh, situation with your dad. Would you care to talk a little bit about that? Uh, certainly. Uh, my my relationship with, with my father uh, was not the best. Um, never been able to, to really totally pinpoint except... Uh, he was a, a, a man of uh, the era when uh, male father figures did not show emotion toward their children. Um, but uh, but Dad was also he, he had some he had some demons with him that um, that unfortunately came to play on both my mom and, uh, and and me. Not so much from a physical standpoint, but Dad was just uh, uh, verbally abusive. Uh, to both of us, and uh, it was a challenge for us to get along together. But um, uh, as with all things, uh, or hopefully all things, sometimes that changes. And once again, I would just encourage the uh, the reader to um, to read all the way to the end of the book. Um, and and I'll leave it at that, if I may, Doug. But uh, but yeah, I I've always been jealous of, of friends who who have this wonderful relationship with their father, that he was their best friend. I, I did not have that, and uh, uh, and it's honestly reflected through the main uh, character's eyes. Well, and it's, it's treated as it should be, too. All the subjects that you bring up, Randy, in the book are treated with, uh, with care and, uh, and, and delicacy, and folks aren't going to be offended by it. But uh, like you said, we're going to leave that to the reader to look up and, and as you described, the difference between a father and a dad. And uh, that's a very important section of the book. Now, since this, uh, the writing, actually, you, you've now lost both of your parents, and one was just a year ago. How did that affect this book? Well, my mom was the polar opposite of, of my dad. Um, uh, my poor wife uh, apparently is going to be stuck with me for a long time. Dad lived within 15 days of being 100 years old um, when he passed away. And my mother, uh, who I lost last year, was 97. So I've, uh, I've got some good genes, I think, uh, uh, going through me. So I, I, tease, I tease my beautiful wife, Cindy, all the time that she's going to be stuck with me for a long, long time. But um, I, I, I finished the book just as she was going through her last um, phase 
uh, of life here on this earth. And so uh, I was very, very gratified by my publisher who allowed me to add an afterword after she passed on April 30th of 2015. The book was officially finished and had been sent to the printer, but uh, they allowed me to add just uh, a little uh, two or three page afterward uh, to um, honor her. And so that's, uh, uh, I've always been very proud that I was able to, to uh, include that uh, about her because she, um, like, like most of our mothers, uh, she's the sweetest thing in my life and, and I still miss her every day. Well, we've mentioned your parents. We've mentioned your son and his class. We don't want to keep you in trouble with the rest of them. Uh, tell us about the, the other members of your family. Well, I, my, I have a daughter as well as my, my son. My daughter uh, is the mother of my two grandsons that I mentioned earlier. Uh, very proud of, of both of my children. One is an uh, elementary school teacher, has been mentioned, and my uh, daughter is a, is a nurse. Uh, she has been a practicing nurse uh, for most of her career, but now she worked on the administrative side and um, raises, raises those two, two young boys. Uh, Brendan will be 11 in June, and, and Patrick will be 7 in July. So she obviously has her hands quite full. Uh, I, I, I've been married for, uh, we'll be celebrating our 28th anniversary uh, uh, later on this month in, in May, and uh, my wife's name is Cindy. She is originally from Winder, Georgia, where we currently live, and she is an executive uh, in the human resource area for, uh, I don't know if it's uh, legal for me to mention the, the name of the company that she works for, but... Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. She is with BB&T Bank um, uh, out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, but she, her office is, of course, obviously here, and and uh, she's, she's, she's the beautiful part of, of, of my life. We don't have any children together. Uh, I was married previously, and that, uh, that is where the two children come from. She, Cindy always uh, made the, uh, the comment that by the time she got Brian and Jessica, uh, they were potty trained and could feed themselves. So that, uh, that's how she liked uh, handling that situation. Now, again, the book that we're here to talk about this morning, The Many Walks of Life, real quick, you've got about a minute. Tell us about the cover. There's an interesting story about the cover. Well, the, the, both the front and the back cover and actually the title page were all designed by uh, some high school students at Mill Creek High School. Uh, I talked to their, uh, the teacher. This is a, an advanced digital design class. And they took it on as a project, and I couldn't be more pleased. I, I gave them just a glimmer of the idea that I had for the front cover, and uh, the three young ladies that uh, were the winners of the uh, my, my selection as the front and back cover and the title page, um, I, I couldn't be prouder of, of, of the work. It's a very... Very nice picture. Again, you can go to Amazon and see a picture, or you can see a picture of it from my website. So um, that, yes. that's a quick, dirty story of that, Doug. Okay. One last thing I want to go over. We're not giving the book away, but I am going to share the last little poem. Uh, a subject you speak about is getting older, and some of us are sensitive to that. 
There's a poem on page 288 that if you just really don't mind, it's not Pulitzer material by any means, but it covers how we feel. And, Randy, if you don't mind, I'm going to share that with our listeners. Well, I have it here. I'd be glad to read it, whichever one. Go ahead. You do it. Let's hear it from their author. Okay. Yes, and and I have no idea uh, who the original author of this is anonymous. I am fully aware that my youth has been spent. My get-up-and-go has got up and went. But I can't help to think with a grin of all the great places my get-up has been. Amen. Randy, <laughs> this has been an absolute pleasure to have you here this morning. I hope that I sincerely hope you've had a good time. I, I have had exactly that, and I thank you once again for this opportunity to uh, to share my books, uh, my works with with the audience out there. And thank you for this opportunity. Again, the book is The Many Walks of Life. The author is Randy Blaylock. Uh, get that pen up. His website is randyblaylockauthor.com, and you can find out all you need to about him and his other books, including the new one, The Man in the Dugout, the story of Julian Mock. And uh, you'll enjoy all of Randy's writings. Folks, the ball is in your court. I want you to go to the website. I want you to go to Amazon. Check these books out. You will enjoy them. Randy, anything you want to add before we go? Can't think of a thing. Uh, appreciate you, your guidance through this session, and uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Well, we've enjoyed having you. Folks, for now, uh, my name is Doug Dahlgren. I want to thank you so much for listening to the prologue. Remember those websites and email addresses, how to get through to us if you know anybody that would like to be on the show. For my guest this hour, Mr. Randy Blaylock, and for myself, I want to say I hope you have a great rest of your week. Be good to yourselves and each other. I want you to read a book. If it's not one of Randy's, maybe you'll pick one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care now. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's web radio.